Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio, your spot in the corner office, the radio show where executives share their secrets to success. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-hosts, Shannon Lane, Newmark, Matthew Shapiro, Obermeyer, and Dave Stonecipher, Herbine. And we have a great lineup of guests for you on our show today. Shannon, will you please give us the readdown? Sure, Herb. We'll be starting off with Dr. Vince LaSorsa, President and CEO of the Children's Home of Reading, followed by Annabelle Shafia, President, Vice President of City Cleaning Company. Then we'll have Jim Lonergan, President of Success Fuel. And we'll be wrapping up today with Jeffrey Wilner, Vice President of Wilner Properties. Let's get to know our first guest, Dr. Vince LaSorsa, President and CEO of the Children's Home of Reading. Uh, Vince, what, what is the Children's Home of Reading? What kind of stuff are you guys doing? Uh, good morning. Uh, Children's Home of Reading is a nonprofit organization in the Reading area that serves underprivileged children, underserved children. Uh, about how many a year? We are serving approximately 1,100 a year. Mm-hmm. And where are you from originally? How many brothers and sisters? And where are you in the pecking order? I am from uh, Montgomery County, a suburb of Philadelphia, uh, born and raised there. Now live in Berks County in the Reading area. I am the middle child, only male child of uh, three children. Mm-hmm. What, what, did grow, what did it do to you growing up with two sisters, an older and a younger sister? I think it, it helped to create some balance for me, and I had to referee sometimes. Um, we were all relatively close in age, and there was always questions about the sisters and who they were dating and those kinds of things. So the growing up with two sisters and helped you tune into uh, everybody's feelings and empathy and communication. What's that have to do with you growing this organization, the Children's Home of Reading? Well, I think it's important to hear all sides of different things before making a decision and Mm -hmm. uh, being able to to be balanced in making those decisions. Mm -hmm. And uh, what else were you up to? What, What were you doing eight to 14 years old? What kind of activities were you engaged in? I was playing a lot of sports, um, working the weekends at the family business, uh, pr- primarily sports, baseball and football, mm-hmm. involved in some clubs, Boy Scouts, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Matthew, please give me a hand. Vince, tell me about your parents. Uh, my parents are from Italy. Uh, they came over as teenagers um, separately. They met in the States, but they, uh, they immigrated from Italy. And tell me what being the child of immigrants did to you. Well, I got to see them model for me uh, just loyalty, dedication, and hard work, hard work to persevere and be successful. And, and you told us that as a result of that, you started kindergarten barely speaking English, too. Tell us a little about that. Yeah, Italian was uh, the primary language that we spoke in our house. So when I started uh, kindergarten, English was sort of secondary and didn't speak a whole lot of it. How did that feel as a kid in kindergarten, everyone else speaking English and you're speaking primarily Italian? Uh, I mean, it was a bit odd to begin with. It took some time to get uh, to know the other kids and to feel part of things. Um, And and tell me what that dedication that you talked about with your immigrant parents and starting school, you're starting in kindergarten, you don't speak English. What do those two things have to do with you running the children's home of Reading today? Well, I think it uh, gave me a sense of being able to accept all people, Um, people that didn't speak English, people that spoke English, another language, wherever they were from. It just gave me a better sense of accepting those people, 
uh, being dedicated to your family, to your team, the sports that you play, to your place of employment, just dedication and loyalty. Mm-hmm. David? And so we were talking earlier, you said you played uh, baseball and football, and I believe you told me you were a catcher and a linebacker in those two sports, respectively. What drew you to those positions? Um, I, I really enjoy, well, probably size, but I, I really enjoyed uh, being a catcher just to be involved in every play um, and being able to see the whole field for every play. And then linebacker, I just, um, I enjoyed looking at the offense and being able to call the defensive plays and being right in the middle of everything. Both of those positions tend to be what I'll call field generals in those sports. Do you think that translates into what you're doing today with the children's home? Yeah, I, I definitely see parallel there and being able to see the full picture, the whole picture, um, being able to strategize next moves based on what you see in front of you. Um, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I believe you said you uh, you captain the football team as well. Obviously, that comes with some leadership skills. Does that leadership skill translate uh, in today's role as well? Um, yeah, I believe so. I, you know, I was captain of the football team, which um, – it was sort of a quiet leader. And I think people gravitated to that. I continue to lead in that way and, you know, recognize a whole team needs to uh, be part of this to be successful. Mm-hmm. Shannon. Vincent, the Grinner, you mentioned that your grandfather was someone you looked up to as a kid. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, my grandfather uh, was also from Italy and came over, uh, immigrated. Uh, while my dad was very busy with the family business, you know, working 16, 18 hours a day, my grandfather stepped in and provided some of that uh, paternal uh, nurturing care. And what did that show you at the time? I, I think it, it, again, fuels that loyalty to family kind of piece, that if somebody's not available, somebody else steps in and uh, takes on that role. And how does the loyalty to family have anything to do with what you're doing at the Children's Home of Reading? I think it's about loyalty, dedication, not only to family, but to also your place of employment and the people you work for and work with. Um, those qualities, I think, translate to those areas. Mm-hmm. I understand yeah. that uh, you went to work in the family business of bakery when you were eight. What were you doing in the bakery? What were you supposed to be doing in the bakery and how long did you work there? Well, I worked there starting at eight, just on the weekends. I would just go in and kind of wash the refrigerators, clean the floors, do some of those things, and then eventually learn the whole business and work there through high school. Um, Had an opportunity to take the business over, but uh, decided I... (laughs) So you started washing the floors and the refrigerators and you ended up doing a little bit of everything. What does starting with one thing and doing a little bit of everything have to do with your running the Children's Home of Reading? I think it gives you a better appreciation of the higher level job when you start at the lower level job. Um, when I started in the field of psychology, I was a direct care staff um, you know, making minimum wage and was able to work through many, many jobs to finally become the CEO. So I have a great appreciation of direct care staff and what they do. Similar to the bakery piece. Hmm. So you like the idea of learning all the different jobs so that you really understand what's involved in each of those jobs, which is maybe one of the reasons that the Children's Home of Reading has been to how large or how small is the staff of this organization? 
we have about 250 full-time staff. When you started with the organization, how large or small was the staff? Under 100. So you've more than doubled the size of the staff. Uh-huh. Do you have a lot of turnover for your industry or is your turnover minimal? Um, direct care staff is pretty much uh, common mm-hmm. turnover as mm-hmm. others, but, but the leadership folks, the management folks tend to stay around. Why it, is that? Um, well, I think the management and leadership folks really get used to what we're doing and the vision and the mission and really have mm-hmm. a passion for the work. Matthew? You, you mentioned earlier you have some friends who've been your friends for a long time, right? How long? Uh, 40 plus years I've been in touch with. <laughs> you've been in, you've had the same friends for 40 running years. Tell me, does that have anything to do with the staff hanging around for a long time at children's home? I, I suppose it could. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell me how that connects. I think it's, it goes back to the loyalty and dedication to, you know, what you do and who you are and people gravitate to that and tend to stay around. Vince, do you, I have a question. Do you interact with the kids at the children's home serves? Um, quite often. Tell me what you get out of that. Um, it's just a, a passionate kind of thing. I mean, it, it's, it's hands-on, and you get to see what a child looks like when he comes in, and you get to see what a child looks like when he leaves, and just the progress there is very rewarding. The progress? What do you mean? Um, as they work through the issues that brought them in, as they get closer to family, as they um, go to school and aren't truant anymore, uh, those kinds of things. So you find uh, that meaningful. You find personal satisfaction with uh, helping these kids. Yeah. What's the website address of this organization known as the Children's Home of Reading? Buildingkidslives.org. Let me have that again buildingkidslives.org, or you can look up Children's Home of Reading. We've been uh, speaking with Dr. Vince LaSorsa, President and CEO of the Children's Home of Reading here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com. That's executiveleadersradio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, stick around. We'll be back in a moment right after this quick break. Don't go anywhere. You now can recognize your deserving business advisors on our nation's leading Business with Heart radio show, executiveleadersradio.com. Yes, recognize, you can recognize your deserving business advisors on our nation's leading Business with Heart radio show, executiveleadersradio.com. Simply visit executiveleadersradio.com, securely enter their info, and we'll reach out to spotlight your deserving business advisors on our nation's leading Business with Heart radio show, executiveleadersradio.com. Don't wait. This radio and online social media and search engine exposure is quite valuable to your advisors. Yes, this radio and online social media exposure is free and quite valuable to your business advisors who deserve to be recognized. Visit executiveleadersradio.com now to nominate your deserving business advisors. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Annabelle Shafia, Vice President, City Cleaning Company. Annabelle, what is City Cleaning Company? What do you guys do? 
We have a side that's janitorial and we also do construction cleaning of a lot of new construction around the Philadelphia area. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are you from originally? How many brothers and sisters? Where are you in the pecking order? I'm from Philadelphia and I'm the oldest of two girls. Uh-huh. Eight to 14. What kind of stuff were you up to? What were you doing? Um, I did a whole lot of babysitting. I was super into it. Loved the kids on the street where I grew up and um, a lot of Girl Scouts. Mm-hmm. So what did you do different than all the other babysitters? Um, I really liked the kids. I think I just brought a lot of goofy, fun projects like cooking projects and science experiments and books. And um, we had a really small lane. So all the families knew each other pretty well. And um, there was a lot of trust, like you can be with my kids. And um, so I was asked over and over to come babysit. And um, yeah, I had a lot of fun with the kids. That a lot sounds of to me, real- though, like who, whose idea was it to bring those games and to do that additional stuff with the kids to go the extra mile? Was that your idea or was that your parents' idea? Or was that their idea? It was my idea. So why'd yeah. you do it? Um, I think just because, you know, you had different temperaments of kids and um, the girls like to do more Barbie kind of stuff or art projects and the boys were more roughhousing and, you know, just having different plans in the back pocket to keep things going and smooth. So at a young age, how, how young were you when you were babysitting? Probably starting around 10. So Mother's at 10 years old, you had a sense of how to treat different people differently or how to treat different people correctly. What's that have to do with your building this organization known as City Cleaning Company? I think it actually plays in a whole lot just because there's so many different personalities in the company. We have people from all walks of life coming from welfare, from halfway houses, prisons, and then other executives and just the diversity and being able to be really relatable to lots of types of people and um, Mm -hmm. see what their interests are and try to meet them where they are. Mm -hmm. Shannon? Annabelle, what was your mom like when you were growing up? She was really hard driving. She took the business as my grandfather who started it, health started to fail. And um, she was very dedicated. And um, she was always um, very, very dedicated and wanted to um, give the best to the clients. And I watched her. And um, yeah, she was a real role model for success in this business. In the green room, you mentioned that there'd be times the cleaners didn't show. And she'd say, cleaners didn't show, let's go. What yeah. did that teach you? <laughs> Um, that taught me, taught me tenacity, just get the job done. And, um, it wasn't such a big deal, you know, to roll up my sleeves after school and just go to a job site and empty the trash and do some light vacuuming. And my sister was there and my mom, and we just get it done and knock the job out. It didn't happen that often, but I remember it happening. And as vice president today, do you ever have to roll your sleeves up nowadays? Well, if you go to a job site and you see that They've dropped the ball. Someone, yeah, you want to kind of, I look at floors a lot as I walk into rooms and say, oh, was it cleaned? And if there's a piece of paper on there, I tend to pick it up. And yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to make things nicer and better. David? Annabelle, when we were speaking in the uh, the green room, you said you were quite active in the Girl Scouts and uh, sounded like you were selling quite a bit of those cookies we all know and, uh, and love. Well, what, what did you like about selling all those cookies? Um, there was a really team spirit in my Girl Scouts troop. It was really fun. But there was competition and just that I was so wanting to sell the most cookies. And I remember having an opportunity that was um, an apartment building near where I lived and filled with a lot of older folks and saying, hey, I want to go sell cookies over there. And my mom really spearheading and saying, let me take you there for you know a couple of days straight. 
and saying, you've got a business sense. You're going to take the business. And I did. I think I sold like four or 500 boxes of cookies. And it was such an ego boost. I felt so excited about it and getting the highest sales. Um, yeah, that that spurred that want to do sales. Where, where do you think that hustle and drive came from? My mother. She really, really was always excited and pushing for that. Do you think that translates at all to uh, what you're doing today as, as vice president of your organization? A hundred percent of how to be with a client and how to make the customer the first person and um, work to solve their problems. Always. That was the goal, how to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. Matthew. Annabelle, you and I both grew up going to Quaker schools. Tell tell me what that experience did to you going to a Quaker school. I think it just taught me a lot of compassion. I um, got opportunities um, to work with the younger kids when I was in like sixth, seventh, eighth grade pairing us up to do a lot of reading with younger kids and help them with projects and um, listening a lot of like, what is the person need? What are they, um, their strengths and how to help. I really, really had wanted to help. And, and there was something where you had a service project or something like that, where you got to choose what you did. Right. Tell me about that. Um, so I cho- chose, I was the only one in the class that chose this, but to go to the Saunders house as part of Lankanaw and work with the people in the, aging community over there a lot of older people and just li- listen to them and tell their that listen to them tell their life stories and talk with them and hear their values and um they really appreciated being around a younger person and i i found it very meaningful and, and you told me that process of talking and listening to those older folks at the saunders house actually did have something to do with running city mm-hmm. cleaning right tell me about that I think it definitely did of listening for what went wrong, what went right, getting curious, getting to ask more questions and saying, tell me more. What what did you find meaningful in that or um, how did you solve that problem? And they shared those things and just getting curious over and over to see what a person's real needs are and um, being able to help them in a lot of different levels. How young were you when you knew you enjoyed that problem solving thing? I was pretty young. I think I was probably like um, 14, 15. Really and, enjoyed it. And and how did it don't like what was the moment where you said, hey, I really like this problem solving thing? It was all throughout. It really was. I don't think there was even a moment. It was my curiosity of just listening to people's life stories and um, wanting to know how they figured things out. And, and uh, I'm curious, too, when you talk about listening, does the silence piece from the from the Quaker upbringing upbringing fit in there? It absolutely does. Yes, there was meeting for worship and people would do a lot of the sharing and speaking. And um, I, I didn't speak so much, but I really enjoyed the listening and um, hearing people's meaningful stories of what things um, in their world touched them and how that that was playing out in their lives. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. The, uh, so what's the what's the best part of your running your own business? Oh, there's so many exciting parts. Problem solving is really the most fun. I think working with people is the other really exciting part. Um, I work with just such a diverse group. And every day there's a different fire to put out. And it makes it for a different, interesting job. Isn't that painful, though, that everything's changing all the time? You always have to solve problems. Isn't that a lot of work and grind? It is. It's, it is a stressful business. I have an amazing team in the office um, that everybody pitches in when the cleaner doesn't show or the equipment breaks or the car trucks aren't working, et cetera. There's many moving parts before something has to get out the door. Um, and it makes it for interesting and it's stressful. 
mm-hmm. exciting. So what's what's the what's the what's the major asset that you're building at uh, City Cleaning Company? Is it the trucks? Is it the mops? Is it the people? Is mm-hmm. it the team? Well, what's what's the major? It's, Mm-hmm. The team, the team and the the quality of people and instilling it in them that we are delivering the highest quality service and that they are representing and showing the face of city cleaning and how important that is. And communication is a really bottom line. And if you need help, if you can't figure it out to reach out and try to help solve problems through a larger group of people that are sitting in the office. Mm-hmm. How large or how small is the team? About a hundred people. Wow, a hundred people. So you're in communication with a hundred people daily with the assignments, which is trying to figure out what everybody needs to do, making sure everybody's dependable, they're excited. It's a lot. It's a lot of responsibility, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah, I'm really fortunate. I have wonderful people that I work with that are go getters that like to problem solve. Also, that you know take A and run to B and Z and all that. And I um, have lots of levels of management. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a lot of moving parts. What's the, uh, what's the website address of this organization known as city cleaning company, Citycleaningcompany.com. Citycleaningcompany.com. We've been speaking with Annabelle Shafia, who's the vice president of City Cleaning Company here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. It's executiveleadersradio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, we'll be back in a moment right after this quick break. Don't go away. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Jim Lonergan, who is the president of Success Fuel. Jim, what is Success Fuel? What are you guys doing? It's a uh, publishing and um, and training lead generation company mm-hmm. for HR representatives. Mm-hmm. And where are you from originally? How many brothers and sisters? And where are you in the pecking order? Uh, Garden City, New York, part of Long Island. I am uh, one of three. I have two older sisters. And what were you doing eight to 14? What kind of stuff were you up to? Uh, twofold, playing in sports and uh, working. Mm-hmm. So you were playing in sports and working. Okay. Matthew, why don't you take it from here? Yeah, what, what, what work were you doing? I had a, uh, a paper route, youngest, uh, youngest kid doing it. And uh, I was uh, earning money and selling to get more subscribers to the uh, to the route. What, what pushed you to become the youngest newspaper route carrier in the neighborhood? Drive hard work. I, I, my dad worked uh, long hours and I think I understood the uh, need for hard work and earn my own keep and drive my own direction. Uh, so, I drove I, me the most. so you were the youngest one. I assume that means they gave you a nice, cushy, easy route, right? They gave me a route that they thought had potential, but very small because I was so young. And uh, in a one or two year period, it grew to one of the, the largest routes they had of, of 50 or 60 people. How, how, where did you get that ability to grow it? And, and- I, I don't know if it's a sales drive, but uh, when I had a chance to knock on doors and people like me, they recommended me and they took our subscription. So I just kept knocking on more doors. And who was the person in, in your life at that age, eight to 14, who was teaching you how to see the opportunity that was there in that paper route? 
Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, it, it really is. It seemed like it was driven in me as my sisters laugh all the time. It just came and I had this drive internally and it, it just kept going. Uh, at eight, I didn't have a, a mentor to look up to in my mind. It's just personal drive. How young were you when you knew you had that drive? Uh, I don't think I realized it till I was a little later in uh, my teens. But once I had it, I was going to keep driving it. And, and what does that drive have to do with what you're doing what you're doing today, it's a success fuel. Successful. It's a, uh, it's a company and, and companies I've run over the years are, uh, it's really about taking it in this case of turnaround and turn it into a business that we think can, can be successful and create opportunity for the employees and actually do a better job of what the market's looking for today. Mm-hmm. Shannon. So Jim, you said at eight years old, you realized that, you know, you were living in a wealthy town, but you weren't necessarily one of those wealthy um, families that's a pretty young uh, age to realize something like that. Tell us more about it. Yeah. And I think that probably came a little bit later, like 12, 13, 14, when I started seeing more of the town and seeing what was there and what's available. Uh, so I think it, it came later and it wasn't the eight year old thing. It was probably, you know, 13, 14, 15, but you know, we're, it was a wealthy town and, and we weren't. So I looked and said, you know, if I work hard, I think I have this opportunity as well. And it's all around hard work. And that, that's really what drove me is seeing what's there. Uh, and doing better than maybe what we had. Um, that's probably what drove me. And growing up in this wealthy town and seeing that at a young age, what did that do to you that you carry with you nowadays? Yeah, I think today, more than anything, having had a, a, hopefully a successful career running companies over the years, it, it's really turning me into giving back to uh, both uh, my community. I've been council president and run a bunch of charity uh, organizations, but also it, in the business side, I, I probably look for more employees that I can, that maybe aren't known, but I could see they have the opportunity potential and for me to help drive them and, and give them the opportunity and support them. So I, I've done that luckily over my career. I just have always looked for that kind of employee. Mm-hmm. David. Jim, you told me earlier you spent a lot of time playing in the parks, a lot of sports, and you you highlighted hockey specifically. So I'm curious, what is it about the game of hockey that you really liked? Yeah, the speed, uh, you know, the the, the the toughness of it. Uh, lacrosse was was probably number two because it's a very similar sport. Um, I got bored with baseball, frankly, uh, but it's, uh, it was really the, dry, the 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 program itself, the hitting, the the fast pace, the action. Uh, that's really what drove me. That's why I love lacrosse as well. And of course, what was your uh, what was your role and positions on the hockey team? Hockey was center. Uh, you know, probably played all, but I mean, center uh, for the most part. I was I was kind of the leader, I guess you'd say. But well, we have great friends who are really talented as well. So. Um, I think you said that leadership kind of led you to become uh, captain of that team as well, if I recall correct. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true. And how does that translate into what you're doing today? Yeah, I think leadership, right? Drive leadership. Um, I think that's from what I guess I earned or, or grew out of uh, early in my my childhood. Plus, it's uh, I've always taken a leadership role, whether getting people together to organizations. Um, it's just it's kind of innate. It's in me, and uh, I like to share it as best I can. And we all need to improve, and I'm sure I need to improve too. But but leadership was always a, a trait I've always just it's grown in me. Mm-hmm. How young were you when you were competing? Uh, I, you know, from always playing sports early, right? So six, seven, eight. But, I, you know, as you start competing a little bit later in life, it's 10, 11, 12. And, you know, I, I played a little bit of uh, soccer in high school. I played uh, I, I played uh, some football, but, you know, not 
not, not, not very well. I was a thin kid, uh, but uh, really competing, I'd say probably 12, 13 is where you started seeing the change. How, how young were you when it went beyond sports, right? Like you identified yourself as the youngest guy with the newspaper route, right? Yeah. Like it's, there's a lot of competition in you, right? There is. I mean, whether it's sports or business, uh, I've probably run some companies where I probably took the role because I think I could change it. So I want to compete and improve. Right. So it's kind of carried into my public career or my business career, but it's also carried into my charitable side of it as well. I like to lead and and hopefully I'm pretty decent at it. Mm -hmm. Um, So you mentioned earlier that you're married with five kids. And uh, what have you learned from your kids? Is anything to do with business? Yeah, look, I, I, I think we learn more from our kids than we learn anywhere else, frankly. Uh, compassion, uh, you know, uh, you, you guide them, but sometimes they guide you. Uh, I think the, my kids, having five kids and we're, we're a close family, uh, they've had a, a big impact on my career in so many ways because you can appreciate the hard work and the mom that, that stays at home and, and, and spends nights and so forth. Uh, you start seeing what they do to us, and that translates back out to my outside world. Um, mm-hmm. um, tell us more a little bit about you say you give back you're you're involved with uh, giving back to the community how, how do you do that what are you talking about yeah i think you know uh from just starts with sports starting with sports um you know i've done i've probably been on many boards uh local boards i've coached 100 plus teams love it uh i've sat on city uh council and, and council president for nine years in my local community and and, and my wife who's great at uh, so much of the charitable work. We spend a lot of time doing um, charitable work that helps the community. And then some. you mentioned earlier that your two sisters uh, made the comment that the park raised you. What was that all about? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'd come, I'd come home from school at three o'clock and I'd run to the park and I'd meet with all my friends. We'd play, we played sports uh, summers. I'd spend morning, noon and night there. Um, so it's kind of like the park and this group, we all raised each other because uh, we're all the same. Uh, and it's a, it's a great group of friends and they're foxhole friends to me. And uh, that means a lot. What do you mean foxhole friends? What are you talking about? Uh, we do anything for each other. I mean, we're so close. I mean, people laugh that 40 something years later, we get together every year. We were a big sports group and, uh, you know, we'll keep going. We, we'll do anything for each other. And they're great group. Great group, guys. What's it have to do with building this business? Yeah, I, I think it's uh, trust. Uh, um, you know, I think that's uh, compassion in many ways. We're all at different career levels and different uh, scenarios of, of uh, our career and our lives. Uh, so that kind of brings back to me, you know, think about that employee that may be struggling. What can you to help do to help them out? Uh, so a lot of that's translated back into running companies um, in, in a, for me personally. So you don't see a hierarchy in terms of what you do. You're, we're all equal, huh? Yeah, I do. I believe that. Uh, I think my actions generally follow that, but uh, I truly believe that. I don't look at, I'm not a big title person. I'd rather just say, what can the team do and get done? Um, and I think that's, yeah, that, that's a great way to look at it. Well, you actually mentioned earlier that you look for, uh, you look for people to see what else, what else they can do. So yeah. as opposed to um, assuming somebody is their label, you're really looking at who they are and what they can do versus what yeah. they tell you they can do. Yeah, or I'll tell you, the best stories I've had are people that are very quiet, don't don't stand out in the company. And sometimes you ask some questions, you realize, my God, they have some great potential. That's the thing that probably drives me the most today in my career is looking for those people that, that, that actually have it. It's just pulling it out of them and putting them in the right position. 
that's the thing that today, as I'm, I'm winding down towards my career, that's what probably drives me more than anything. Hmm. It's helping find the potential in people, helping people realize the potential in themselves. Absolutely. What's the website address for this organization known as Success Fuel? It's successfuel.com. Successfuel.com. We've been speaking with Jim Lonergan, who's president of Success Fuel here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, that's executiveleadersradio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, we'll be back in a moment right after this quick break. Recognize your deserving business advisors on our nation's leading business with heart radio show, Executive Leaders Radio. Yes, recognize, you can recognize your deserving business advisors on our nation's leading business with heart radio show, executiveleadersradio.com. Simply visit executiveleadersradio.com, securely enter their info, and we'll reach out to spotlight your deserving business advisors on our nation's leading business with heart radio show, executiveleadersradio.com. Don't wait. This radio and online social media and search engine exposure is quite valuable. Yes, this radio and online social media and search engine exposure is quite valuable. To your business advisors who deserve to be recognized, visit executiveleadersradio.com now to nominate your deserving business advisors for free exposure. back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Jeffrey Wilner, who is Vice President of Wilner Properties. Jeff, what is Wilner Properties? What are you guys doing? First of all, thank, thanks, Herb, for having me on. Wilner Properties is an opportunistic real estate private equity company based out of King of Prussia, PA. Mm-hmm. And uh, where are you from originally? How many brothers and sisters? Where are you in the pecking order? I am the Middle child, one of three, mm-hmm. uh, originally from Newtown Square, Pennsylvania. Which is a suburb of Philadelphia. And tell us, 8 to 14 years old, what kind of stuff were you doing? What were you up to 8 to 14? 8 to 14. I was playing rec sports, beginning to get involved in charity organizations. I was in the band, um, trying to stay social and so forth. All the above. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also mentioned that your grandfather ran a restaurant. All right. So, um, Matthew, why don't you uh, give me a hand here? Jeff, tell me a little bit about your dad. Well, my grandparents immigrated from Czechoslovakia in Poland. Didn't speak any English. Landed in New York City. My grandfather came to to Philadelphia and started a small deli in Marion Station, Pennsylvania, called Jaime's Delicatessen, where my dad got involved as early as eight or nine. My grandfather ran that store for 30 years, sold it to the existing owners, and the store is still there today. My dad ended up pivoting into the real estate business, helped his dad out, who had a minority share in a small apartment building, and we ended up buying them out somehow. And about 35 years later, still here and, and still growing. And what what is your dad's transition and watching him get into the real estate business? What 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 impact did that have on you when you were eight to fourteen? Oh man, I 
a lot. Uh, you know, getting up and going to school and catching the bus at 7.24 a.m., my dad was already out of the house. So it inspired me a tremendous amount. And, uh, you know, relating back to that and, and knowing I need to get up and, and do the best I can every day to continue to move things ahead, notwithstanding the challenges in our markets. And, and what does it mean to you to be working with your dad now? It means a lot for a variety of reasons. Um, 16 to 25, I wasn't allowed back to the family business. My dad encouraged my brother and I to get experience elsewhere. Uh, I got a call halfway through college. Hey, Jeff, don't come home. Don't plan on coming home. I cry like this. So what do you mean, dad? What do you mean? He said, don't come home. So I ended up spending about three, four years at other shops, learning how they run, learning how they operate. I didn't, wasn't, wasn't aware that the business was even going to be here when I came back, came back to PA and, and was able to get involved and uh, things are, you know, steady. And, and at some point did that, I think you told us earlier that, that, that um, relationship with your dad and watching him work actually led you into clubs. And when you were a kid that were business oriented, right? You like that? Yeah. Very much so. I was more of a creative, musical type of person, artsy. Uh, my passions just started to shift as I as I as I learned more about business um, and the allocation of capital and how things move and the markets and so forth. Mm-hmm. David, Jeff, you were telling me earlier that you were volunteering and, and, and doing some charitable work pretty early in in life. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that. The charity. You know, I found things that were relatable to me. My grandfather passed of Parkinson's disease, so I got involved in Parkinson's Foundation. Uh, my, my grandparents were survival of, for survivors of the Holocaust, so I've been involved in that aspect of the world. So I chose things that were relatable to me and, and got involved in ways that I could. And then I began to realize uh, what type of impact they made on me as a person, as a businessman, and as a compassionate individual, um, you know, each and every week. Tell me a little bit more about that impact. What, is it, what does that mean? It's, it, I can't really find the words to describe it. It's something you feel in your soul, and it, it gives you a little bit more purpose. Um, but in many ways, I, I'm, 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 grateful to have, I'm grateful to have the opportunity to give back and lend my time to others that are less fortunate. Do you think you're taking that lesson to, uh, to the team you're leading today? I'm trying. Um, you know, you got to keep a level headed and stay, stay calm and try to be relatable and work as a unit. And that's what it's all about, I think. Mm-hmm. If we touched on your dad and your grandfather, I'm curious about your mom. What was she like when you were growing up? My mom was a cheerleader to my brother and my sister and I, uh, like my dad at every at most of our uh, sporting events on the sidelines, cheering us on. And that made us a real impact in me. And encouraged me to try my best. Tell us more about that. So when you were on the field and you look over and see your parents on the sidelines, it encouraged you to do your best? It did. I mean, not, notwithstanding the outcome, win or lose, you know, I'm, I'm able to, to go home, learn and try and strategize and how to do better and, and come out next time on the field and continue to, uh, to develop my, my skill set in many capacities. And what did you learn from mom that you carry with you nowadays at Wilner Properties? <laughs> Stay patient. Um, you know, keep your head up when things aren't looking great. Uh, continue to uh, don't don't forget to eat. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff, what, what uh, you, you mentioned that your grandfather had a restaurant. Uh, did you ever work in that restaurant? And how young were you if you did? I didn't work in that restaurant, but I got in the restaurant business early on. I almost think it should be a requirement for, for kids in their teens. I mean, you learn so much about uh, how to relate to other people, and you're dealing with a lot of BS in the restaurant business. But well, When you got a job of working in a restaurant, which restaurant and what was the job you got? What, what did you start doing? How young were you? It was a small Italian restaurant in Brumall, small town of Brumall, Pennsylvania, called Valentino's. Mm-hmm. It's a little hole-in-the-wall Italian spot, mm-hmm. no longer there, but mm-hmm. uh, I was busting tables. That's how I started. And How young were you? How young were you? 15, 15. Uh-huh. What'd you learn bussing tables that has anything to do with running a real estate enterprise? Uh, a ton. I could probably write a novel on how it's relatable. Uh, you know, getting be more or less spit in your face. You're thinking that this guy's not going to leave you money. He ends up leaving you a hundred bucks or, you know, learning how to deal with other people in fast situations and getting a lot of things thrown at you that some of the other guests mm-hmm. have suggested, discussed. And you also mentioned you were in a band when you were a kid. What, what instrument did you play? What was your role in the band? It's a drummer, drummer, percussion. What's the role of the drummer in the band you were in? Uh, uh, l- listening to everyone else play and following along and, and then having to lead in certain scenarios and speak up with the percussion set. Is there a similarity between your role in that band when you were a kid and what you're doing with real estate? <laughs> uh, Sometimes I have to get loud. Sometimes I have to use those little brushes, you know, like the jazz players on the cymbals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, what, what's, the, what's the best part of, uh, what you're, of your gig? What, what do you enjoy the most? You know, as opportunistic and value-add investors, we, we, we tend to, to purchase things that, that need improvement, that need uh, extensive, uh, you know, renovations and things of that that nature. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's because of our relationships in the market with retailers and so forth, we're able to uh, get buildings leased up, uh, turn, turn situations around um, and and create real value. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you guys are pretty creative. You have a lot of healthy relationships. You try to keep healthy as well as you have, um, you guys are pretty creative in terms of solving problems in terms of real estate. Am I seeing that correctly? Yes, that's right. Uh Um, Let me ask you a question. Could you learn in a book what makes this, I mean, is there a book that's written that would, that would uh, help explain why you guys have been successful? (laughs) It would probably, it would probably be some type of, uh, self-help book on first of all why you get into this business and then second of all how to stay patient how to stay modest and uh you know how to choose your choose the right fights and and how to continue to persevere but not necessarily you kind of have to dabble here and there and when you, uh, just when you stay yourself modest in. stay modest so you don't drive the fanciest car or have the biggest house <laughs> honda accords just fine with me no. Uh-huh. Uh, so you do stay humble. What's the benefit of staying humble? Oof. Uh, you know, you, you, I don't. That's that's a good question there. So what's the purpose of not staying modest and humble and relatable? Yeah. And so you can sit around and, and think about how great you are. I mean, I, 
you know, I, I have no interest gotcha. in that. And, and, uh, what's you know, the, people tell people, what's the tell website me address for Wilner properties? www.wilnerproperties.com W I L L N is a Nancy E R properties. It's been with Jeffrey Wilner, vice president of Wilner properties here on executive leaders radio. Shana, can you give us a rundown on who we've had on the air, please? Yes, great show today. We started off with Dr. Vince LaSorsa, President and CEO of the Children's Home of Reading, followed by Annabelle Shafia, Vice President of City Cleaning Company. Then we had Jim Lonergen, President of Success Fuel. And just now we wrapped up with Jeffrey Wilner, Vice President of Wilner Properties. I'd like to thank my co-hosts, including Shannon Lane Newmark, Matthew Shapiro Obermeyer, and Dave Stonesight for Herbine for giving me hand structure the questions. He'll be providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. I'd like to thank our listening audience for listening. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a radio show. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com. Thank you for joining us today and have a nice day. Bye-bye. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite.